Good morning. Good morning. Well, it is good to be with you on this uh, Lord's Day morning as we gather for worship. And uh, several months ago, um, I mentioned that as soon as we got to Matthew 12 in our study through the Gospel of Matthew, uh, we would spend some time talking about the Sabbath. I'm sure you all have just been counting down the days, right, uh, <laughs> on pins and needles waiting to talk about the Sabbath. So uh, finally, we're, we're at that point. We finished Matthew 11 uh, two weeks ago. We had uh, Stephen come and preach the word to us last week, and I, I pray and I trust that you were encouraged by that to see some of the other men that God has placed in northern Nevada to steward his word. Uh, so that was a blessing to have him out. And we're in between Matthew 11 and 12, so what better time to talk about the Sabbath? Because that's what Jesus is going to uh, talk about with the Pharisees in the beginning of Matthew 12. So uh, with that, um, the relationship between the Christian and the fourth commandment is one of the most debated in-house issues uh, in, the, in the history of the church. Um, it, it's really one of the longest-lasting debates in Christianity. Uh, but despite this, um, many Christians today haven't really given much thought to their relationship with the Sabbath or the fourth commandment. Um, and, and, and if we were to ask each other, hey, what do you think about the Sabbath? Does that apply to Christians? Yes, no. We, we may be able to answer that question with, with something off the cuff, but how, how much time have we actually spent studying that in Scripture? How much time have we actually spent thinking about and, and, and looking into whether the fourth commandment, which is about the Sabbath, applies to Christians or not? I, I personally, I went through most of my life, my Christian life, without giving this commandment much thought at all, which was ironic because I grew up in a home where we practiced Shabbat. My dad is Jewish, so we would do Shabbat, Jewish Sabbath on, on Saturdays. But when that comes to the question for us as Christians, we haven't really given it much thought as an American church. This morning, uh, the, the, the message this morning is going to be less preaching and more teaching, if that makes sense, which personally I, I wrestle with a little bit. Um, so it, it's going to be a little bit more informational this morning. The application is going to come for us next week. This morning we're really looking at the Old Testament Sabbath. Uh, what did God tell the nation of Israel regarding the Sabbath? So that's going to be the foundation we're laying this morning. The questions of how it relates to us, we're going to look at next week. So uh, you just have to wait one week longer to get some of those answered. But you guys have waited so long so far, so... I'm sure we can all hang in there another week. But failing to consider the question of the Sabbath and the Christian uh, is actually potentially dangerous for us. Now, here's what I mean. On, on one hand, if the fourth commandment still applies to Christians today, if that's still a commandment that we should be obeying in some form, then we risk disobedience if we haven't considered that. On the other hand, if the fourth commandment doesn't apply to Christians today, then we risk putting a yoke on other people that shouldn't be born anymore if we haven't considered that question. Really, you know, if we haven't given any serious thought to the topic, how can we be diligent to honor God one way or the other? If we're going to take God's law seriously, then we do need to endeavor to understand what God commands of us regarding the Sabbath so that we might do His will, whether that's to not keep it anymore, to keep it in a certain way, or to keep it in a very particular way, that's something worth thinking about. But of course, there's a lot of questions on that issue. And some of those questions may be rolling around your heads right now. Sh should we as Christians be keeping the Sabbath? 
Or was that just for the Jews? Um, has the Sabbath been completely fulfilled in Christ? Do we just keep it in a spiritual way now? Is the Sabbath the same as the Lord's Day? Does, does Sunday matter as a particular day set aside? Has Sunday replaced Saturday, right? All of these questions that we think about, what do we do with the fourth commandment? And as I said, we'll be, we'll be looking at those particular questions next week, but we need to start in the Old Testament um, because that's where we see the Sabbath described at first. And I am confident God's word is sufficient to answer these questions for us and that what we do see in Scripture should cause us to consider our relationship to the fourth commandment and the Sabbath carefully. Um, so this morning, as I said, we're going to look at Israel's understanding of the Sabbath, um, primarily the three purposes for the Sabbath that God gave to Israel. And then we'll see ultimately that Israel did not end up keeping the Sabbath and that they missed out on great blessing. So let's pray together as we go to God's Word. We're going to be bouncing around to a number of different passages, so get your thumbs warmed up. We're going to be flipping or scrolling, whatever you do. Um, but let's go to God and ask for His help as we come to His Word. Our Lord and our God, we thank you for your Scripture. We thank you for the Bible, that it is living, that it is active, that it is what we need, and that you have deemed it sufficient for us regarding what we need to know about you, about how you desire us to live, how we should be saved, what Christ has done for us. Lord, the essentials for life and godliness you have laid down clearly in your word. And Lord, we pray for your help as we look at what the Old Testament says about the Sabbath. Father, would you help us to understand uh, the moral quality of the Sabbath? And Lord, even as we look at uh, what you commanded Israel to do that uh, Lord, we might even be able to see your wisdom there. So, Father, be with us. We pray, Holy Spirit, uh, bless the Word of God to our hearts and our minds. And, Lord, be with me. Help me to only preach and proclaim that which uh, aligns with your Word and your will. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, there are, again, multiple passages we're going to need to look at this morning to understand the Sabbath in the Old Testament but the first place we're going to start is familiar ground. The fourth commandment in Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. This is the chapter where God delivers the Ten Commandments to Moses and to the nation of Israel. And uh, this is the beginning of the law being given to them. We read in verses 8 through 11, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. The fourth commandment uh, out of ten that God gave to Israel. Now, whether or not you're a Christian, you're probably familiar with the Ten Commandments, right? Most people are in some way, shape, or form. And that's where most people uh, learn about the Sabbath. It's from the Ten Commandments, the fourth command in particular, which... Uh, here is one of the most detailed commandments out of ten. God gives the people the most instruction here. 
And as we look at this fourth commandment, we see that the Sabbath is a day of rest and worship. That's the first purpose for the Sabbath. It's a day of rest and worship. God gives Israel some very specific and clear instructions here in the fourth commandment. They are told first in verse 8 to remember the Sabbath day. To to, uh, continually go back to it. To be serious in obeying it regularly in the rhythm that God sets for it. They are to keep it each week and to maintain that regular, consistent rhythm. The seventh day, the seventh day, the seventh day to remember the Sabbath, not to neglect it, but to be diligent in keeping it. And we see that pattern in verse 9. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh is a Sabbath to the Lord. Remember that, God says to the people. He also tells them, keep it holy. Keep it holy. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. It is a sacred day, God tells the people. There's a religious aspect to the Sabbath. It wasn't just the weekend for the Israelites, right? But it was a day of worship. They were to work for six common days, six regular days, but the seventh was set apart. It was holy. It was set aside, sanctified for a spiritual purpose, for worship. And and the Jews observed this on Saturdays, of course. But this was a day that was different than the rest of the week. The Sabbath, uh, that word comes from the Hebrew word Shabbat which means to rest or to cease. And we see this play out in what the Israelites are supposed to do. We see this in verse 10, right? Every seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord. On it you shall not do any work. You shall not do any work. The people were supposed to cease from their regular labors, their regular work, and they were to worship God. And notice, it's not just the head of the households who are supposed to be resting from their work, but God's very comprehensive here. He gives a very long list. He says, uh, you should not do any work, nor your children, your son or your daughter. Not even your servants should be doing work. Not even the livestock should be doing work. And not even the Gentiles who might be with you, visiting or traveling through, they should not be doing any work either. All living things, in other words, all those that would work, whether human or animal, were to rest from that work on the seventh day. It was to be a day of total physical rest for the people. A day of rest and a holy day, a day of worship. And the basis for the Sabbath that God gives to the people in verse 11 is none other than God himself. None other than God himself. Um, It's God's own pattern. In six days, we read in verse 11, the Lord made heaven and earth to see all that is in them. There's that six days of work. And on the seventh day, he rested. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy, we see. So God's own pattern in creation was to create on those first six days, but then having finished his work, to rest on the seventh. Not because God needs rest, but rather he establishes a pattern for us in creation, we see. But again, the day wasn't just for rest, but it was a day of great spiritual significance, holy and set aside. We we see in verse 11, God himself blesses the Sabbath day and made it holy. That was something God decided and decreed. So when we combine all this together, right, we see again, the first purpose of the Sabbath is to rest from work and to worship God. It's the first purpose, to rest from work and worship God. It was uh, to be a day 
consistently kept every seventh day, just like God worked in creation and rested from his labors. That's the first purpose we see here for the Sabbath, as God speaks to Israel and gives them the fourth commandment. But there is another purpose as well that we may be less familiar with. Um, the, the Sabbath is actually also a covenantal sign that God gave to the people of Israel. Um, turn over to Exodus 31. As God's continuing to give the law to Israel, continuing to give them commands, uh, he speaks about the Sabbath in a very interesting way in Exodus 31. This is uh, when the Israelites are building the tabernacle. They're preparing all those things. And in the midst of this, God gives the people instructions, more instructions about the Sabbath. We read this in verse 12. And the Lord said to Moses, You are to speak to the people of Israel and say, Above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths. For this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. You shall keep the Sabbath because it is holy for you. Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. Whoever does any work on it, that soul shall be cut off from among his people. Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day shall be put to death. Therefore, the people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath throughout their generations as a covenant forever. It is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel, that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. We see here the second purpose of the Sabbath is a covenantal sign, a, a visible marker of God's covenantal relationship with the people of Israel. It is a sign, as we see in the text, that he had sanctified Israel, that he had called them to be his chosen people, that he had set them apart. And the Sabbath was one of the markers of that unique covenant relationship. After all, the other nations of the earth are not observing this six days of work, seventh day rest. They're just working all the way through every day. Work, 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 work. So the Israelites, by following this, would be markedly different. It would be, again, a sign of their unique covenantal relationship with the Creator Himself. Uh, in some ways, you know, much like the circumcision uh, commands or the food laws of Israel, this Sabbath was a sign. It was a sign. It, it identified Israel as different. It's something that marked them as sanctified. And in conjunction with this, we see uh, down in verse uh, 15 that those who broke the Sabbath command and worked on the seventh day would receive a very strict punishment. Uh, they'd be cut off from the people which means they would be considered outside of the covenant assembly. They'd be considered outside of God's covenant people, and they would be put to death. That's, that's pretty serious, isn't it? That's the most serious punishment in all of Moses' law, right? All of God's law given through Moses. That's it. You're cut off and you're killed. There's no greater punishment than that that we find in the law. Why such a serious punishment? For the Sabbath. Well, notice verse 12 uh, gives an extremely high place to the Sabbath. What does God say? Above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths. Above all. That's, that's a pretty important place, right? 
uh, when you give somebody instructions and you say, no matter what, make sure you do this one, right? Above all, do this. That's very, very important. To God, the Sabbath was extremely important. And the most important laws have the most serious penalties, right? We see that in our society. The punishment for murder is much worse than the punishment for shoplifting. So the gravity of the punishment here for breaking the Sabbath reveals the importance of that command to God. He's very clear with the people of Israel, keep my Sabbaths. And when you think about it, there's a, there's a reason behind this. Um, to break the Sabbath was to disregard the covenantal sign God had given to his people Israel. To, to say, I'm not going to keep the Sabbath, I'm not going to do that. Uh, to break that command for an Israelite was basically to voluntarily say, I don't want to be part of God's covenant people anymore. I don't, I don't, eh, whatever. That's not a big deal. I don't really need to do it. It was to treat what God had declared holy, the Sabbath day, as common and profane. And it was to make little of God's commandments and covenant. And to do that is to treat God as common and profane. Right? For the Israelites to devalue God's Sabbath and not keep that command was to devalue God himself. And God is a holy and just and righteous God. And that is a serious offense against him. So the second thing that the Sabbath was to the people of Israel was a covenantal sign. It was a visible marker, like circumcision perhaps, of their unique covenant relationship with Yahweh the Creator who worked for six days and rested on the seventh. That's the God they were in relationship with. And the Sabbath was a sign of that. But there's also another reason we see that God commands Israel to keep the Sabbath. Not only was it a day of rest, not only was it a covenantal sign, but it also had a redemptive purpose. Um, our, our third purpose is the Sabbath was a reminder of redemption. The Sabbath is a reminder of redemption. Turn over to Deuteronomy chapter 5. Deuteronomy chapter 5. At the beginning portion of Deuteronomy, um, this chapter in particular, is Moses preparing the people to enter the promised land. They're there on the banks of the river Jordan. They're getting ready to go into Canaan. And this is the second generation of the Israelites. So they, they watch their parents perish in the wilderness, and they are being retaught and reminded by, uh, by Moses here of God's law, of God's character, of what God had done. So in Deuteronomy 5, Moses restates the Ten Commandments and reminds the people of God's law. And as Moses rereads the Fourth Commandment, um, he includes much of the same things we saw in Exodus 20, but he adds more under God's inspiration in verse 15. Right? We see him starting in verse 12, Observe the Sabbath day, keep it holy. Six days you work, but the seventh is holy. Nobody should do any work. And what do we read in verse 15? You shall remember on the Sabbath day that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, for this reason, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. So there's a very clear connection here between the Exodus and the Sabbath. Between the Exodus and the Sabbath. Uh, the emphasis here is not on creation, though that still applies, but it's on God's redemption of Israel out of Egypt. 
the Sabbath was supposed to remind Israel of what God had done for them. Uh, the Sabbath was supposed to be a day where their thoughts were turned to God in a unique way. Now consider the fact, right, that the Israelites had worked for the, uh, for the Egyptians as slaves. They had been slaves. There's no day of rest for slaves. You, you just have to work all the time. That's what they experienced in Egypt. But to have a day of rest, to have that seventh day of rest, when nobody could force you to work, a, a day where God protected you from working, that's freedom. That's a sign of freedom, isn't it? So the Sabbath was supposed to remind the Israelites, God has freed you from that bondage. He has delivered you and redeemed you. This day is a reminder of that, a regular reminder, because the Israelites were quick to forget it. But the Sabbath was intended to remind them of that fact. So the Sabbath for Israel had a redemptive purpose. It was a reminder of God's redemption in the Exodus, that they were no longer slaves, but now they were free because of the mighty hand of their God. So the weekly seventh-day Sabbath had three purposes. It was a day of rest and worship, it was a covenant sign, and it was a reminder of God's redemption. Now there's other uh, days called Sabbaths in the Old Testament. We're not going to look at those today, but really, um, just to mention a few, the Day of Atonement, Leviticus 16, that is described as a Sabbath. Uh, there were other Jewish festivals, and often the first and last day of those festivals would be called Sabbaths, where the people were again to rest and to do these things. But those other Sabbaths are on a different level, we see, than the seventh-day Sabbath. Right? That occupies a unique place amongst all the Sabbaths in God's law. And that seventh day, so rich in meaning and significance for Israel, it was something God intended to be a blessing for Israel, a gift that he gave to them, a day set apart so they could be blessed in their rest and their remembrance of their relationship with their God. It wasn't supposed to be an inconvenience that kept them from catching up on their work, but it was a day on which they could be blessed. That was God's intention for it. Unfortunately, um, when we continue on in the narrative of the Old Testament, we see that um, Israel did not keep God's Sabbath. They did not see the value in keeping God's Sabbath. And they missed out on the blessing of keeping God's Sabbath. In fact, after Israel entered the Promised Land, not long after, really after the kingdom was divided, I guess we could say, in the northern ten tribes and the kingdom of Judah in the south, the people refused to keep the Sabbath. And that is one reason that comes up in the prophets uh, as the reason for God's judgment. Not the only reason, but it's a significant one. Um, turn over to the prophet Amos. Amos, the prophet Amos. Uh, one of the minor prophets uh, after Hosea, Amos chapter 8. One of those dusty corners of our Bible. Um, should not be so, but, but tragically it is. Amos chapter 8. Amos chapter 8. <clears throat> Amos was sent to the people of Israel um, with serious warnings about the coming judgment unless they returned to obey God's law and turned away from idolatry. And we read in verse 4, 
of Amos chapter 8, a description of how the Sabbath was being treated. Amos, speaking for God, prophesies this, Hear this, you who trample on the needy and bring the poor of the land to an end, saying, When will the new moon be over, that we may sell grain? And the Sabbath, that we may offer wheat for sale, that we may make the ephah small and the shekel great, and deal deceitfully with false balances, that we may buy the poor for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals and sell the chaff of the wheat. The Lord is sworn by the pride of Egypt, uh, excuse me, the pride of Jacob, Surely I will never forget any of their deeds. Not a good picture. Not a good picture. And of course, the, the, the big theme there is the dishonesty and the oppression uh, that the rich were putting upon the poor, which was against God's law. But we see in verse 5 this attitude that they had towards the Sabbath. When will the Sabbath be over that we can sell our wheat? When will the Sabbath be over? so that we can make more money. They viewed the Sabbath as something that was in the way of their business, something in the way of their own gain. They wanted to use the Sabbath day for what's worse, for dishonest purposes too. That's hardly keeping the Sabbath holy. Instead, they viewed it as an inconvenience, as a burden, something that they had to get through before they could get back to making Money and, and this demonstrates something important about the Sabbath. On the outside, are they, are they keeping the Sabbath here? Well, kind of, right? They're not selling the wheat on that day, which is what's bothering them. But in their heart, they are certainly not keeping the Sabbath. On the outside, sure, it may look like they're resting and not selling their, their, their wheat on that day. But in the heart, they're clearly breaking God's Sabbath. They clearly have no, no value for it. Their hearts are far from God and their greatest desire is not to worship God and obey Him on the Sabbath. Their greatest desire is their gain. A tragic picture of where Israel ended up in regards to the Sabbath. And we look at Jeremiah 17 as well, a more familiar prophet. Uh, Jeremiah 17, we find God warning the people of Judah to keep the Sabbath as well. Jeremiah 17 Jeremiah 17, I'll start reading in verse 19. Thus said the Lord to me, Go and stand in the people's gate, by which the kings of Judah enter, and by which they go out, and in all the gates of Jerusalem, and say, Hear the word of the Lord, you kings of Judah, and all Judah, and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem who enter by these gates. Thus says the Lord, Take care for the sake of your lives, and do not bear a burden on the Sabbath day, or bring it in by the gates of Jerusalem. And do not carry a burden out of your houses on the Sabbath or do any work, but keep the Sabbath day holy as I commanded your fathers. Yet they did not listen or incline their ear, but stiffened their neck that they may not hear and receive instruction. So we, we see there, God is reminding the people, keep the Sabbath. Keep the Sabbath. Jeremiah, go and tell them, remind them of what they should be doing. Because it's not what they're doing. We read on in verse 24, but if you listen to me, declares the Lord, and bring in no burden by the gates of this city on the Sabbath day, but keep the Sabbath day holy and do no work on it, then there shall enter by the gates of this city kings and princes who sit on the throne of David, riding in chariots and on horses, they and their officials, the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and this city shall be inhabited forever. 
and people shall come from the cities of Judah and the places around Jerusalem, from the land of Benjamin, from the Shephelah, from the hill country, from the Negev, bringing burnt offerings and sacrifices, grain offerings, frankincense, bringing thank offerings to the house of the Lord. We see that if the people keep the Sabbath, God will bless them. He will bless them. He will keep Jerusalem standing. He will bless His people. But, verse 27, if you do not listen to me to keep the Sabbath day holy and not to bear a burden and enter by the gates of Jerusalem on the Sabbath day, then I will kindle a fire in its gates and it shall devour the palaces of Jerusalem and shall not be quenched. A serious warning. A serious warning for a serious command God gave to Israel. He threatens great consequence if they will not keep his Sabbath. And really, when we think about it, you know, what Israel was supposed to do was not do things, right? It's easier to not do things sometimes than to do them. It takes less effort to rest than it does to work. And so their refusal to keep the Sabbath was not out of negligence, but willful transgression. But at the same time, God promised them rich blessing and prosperity if they do keep the Sabbath. And that's one of the themes we see throughout the Old Testament. Um, even though the Israelites wouldn't work as much on the Sabbath, God would still provide for them. He would still uh, make them prosper. He would still meet their needs as His people. He promises to make up the difference for whatever they might lose on that seventh day. Now, tragically, the book of Jeremiah ends with Nebuchadnezzar doing exactly what God threatened here, laying siege to Jerusalem and destroying it by fire in 587 B.C. The people did not listen to Jeremiah. They did not keep the Sabbath. But they continued to use it as a day to better themselves rather than drawing near to their God. And unfortunately, Israel's history is not one of Sabbath keeping. We read in Nehemiah how when the exiles come back, when Nehemiah comes back, there's, there's Gentiles opening up a marketplace selling their wares on the Sabbath day, which we read in the fourth commandment, they should not be doing if they are right in, in God's city. And the people of Israel just let it happen. Israel's history is not one of Sabbath keeping, but of Sabbath breaking. And, and again, we must remember the Sabbath was not just a rule, a burden. It was supposed to be a delight. It was supposed to be a blessing to the people. And we read one of the most beautiful descriptions of what the Sabbath is intended for for Israel in Isaiah 58. Uh, turn there with me. Isaiah 58. You just turn to the left, you'll be there in a couple flips. Isaiah 58. We read this starting in verse 13. God speaks to the people and says, If you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and if you call the Sabbath a delight and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own ways or seeking your own pleasure or talking idly, then you shall take delight in the Lord and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. What a beautiful description of the blessing that God had for His people in the Sabbath. 
But notice how the Jews were using the Sabbath day to do the things they wanted to do, to do their pleasure, to make their money, to pursue their desires and their goals on that day instead of God's desires for that day. They were not honoring it. They weren't treating it uh, as a delightful thing. Again, instead they viewed it as a burden or as an opportunity to do what they wanted to do rather than what God wanted them to do. But what has God promised to them? He says, if you, if you sanctify me, if you treat my day as holy, he says, you keep my Sabbath, then you will take delight in me, God says. You will take delight in me. I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. I'll feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father. I mean, those are rich, rich blessings. Keeping the Sabbath was actually key for Israel continuing to delight in the Lord. That was uh, the purpose of it, right? Was to draw them nearer to their God. What a rich, rich blessing that was in store for them on that day. And that was God's intention for the Sabbath. It was supposed to be a day for Israel to rest from their work. It was supposed to be a day that they could delight themselves in the Lord because they were unburdened with their normal daily responsibilities and activities and, and labors. It was an opportunity for them to make God's worship the central fixture of the day. It was supposed to be a wonderful blessing to them. And yet they viewed it as a burden and an inconvenience or as an opportunity to do whatever they wanted. Is it possible that Christians have possibly made the same mistake? All the controversial stuff will be next week, don't worry. But this morning I hope that gives us an understanding of God's good purpose in giving the Sabbath to His people Israel. And the question we'll answer next week is, is that command and the blessing in it still for us as well? So we'll answer that question and more next week. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, you give good gifts to your people. And Lord, your law is good. Father, we see your good purposes in giving the Sabbath to Israel. Lord, that you did not desire to burden them or weigh them down, but rather, Lord, to lift them up and free them by giving them the Sabbath. And Lord, at the very least, as we look at that, may we see your good character, your wisdom towards your people in giving them what they need, even when they may not want it. Father, would you be with us? And Lord, as we celebrate the Lord's Day today, may we be reminded that this is a day for us to rest and to worship, that we are reminded today of our unique relationship with you through Christ. And Lord, that we are reminded of his resurrection and our salvation, our deliverance from bondage to sin and Satan. Our Lord, we thank you for your good gifts. And Lord, may the rest of this day be for drawing near to you. Lord, wherever we may land today on the question of the Sabbath, may we use today as a chance to delight in you more. May your worship be sweet to us and desirable to us, Lord. May it be a joyful thing for us to do this day to your glory. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.